Welcome to another inspirational podcast at Real Life Church. For more great content and updates, visit reallifechurchkc.com. Yes, give the Lord a shout. Yes, absolutely. Amazing, guys. It's amazing. Hey, it is Christmas. Are you excited about Christmas? Yes. Do you know that it's not about the gifts under the tree, but it's about the gift that is in Jesus? Amen? Come on, somebody. You're not supposed to play favors, but you in the second service are my favorite. You are much more lively, so I need you to be all hyped up. Read this verse with me because this is amazing. Galatians 4. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son. Do you realize that saying that he ran after you? Amen? Amen? There you are, born of a woman, born under the law. Those who are under the law that we might receive the adoption as sons. Yes, amen. Can you turn to your neighbor and just be like, Jesus ran after you. Now turn to your neighbor and be like, oh, uh, by the way, hi, how are you? Good morning. (laughs) Go ahead, guys. Take a seat. Take a seat. Take a load off of your feet. What, what? Good morning. Yes. Man, I had something about caffeine or in the coffee or maybe I just had straight caffeine. I don't know. But man, what a great morning. I think it was a worship. You guys are amazing. Well, welcome, guys. We have done so much to prepare for you today. and We are so excited that you're here online. Welcome. We're so excited that you're sitting on your couch, comfortable in your slippers, watching us. Amen. Good to have you guys. If you're new, if you're online, there's a link. I want you to click on the link in the comments below. If you're new here, I want you to text RLNEW to 97000. Nothing crazy is going to happen. Somebody's just going to reach out. Just going to say howdy. We just want to know you're here. Just say hi. And if you're here at Kentucky Trail, it's not just because of Christmas, but we love giving out gifts. So if you go to the New Here booth, we've got a gift that we would just absolutely love to give you and just check in and get, get to know you a little bit more. Like I said, it's a fantastic thing you got to get over there. Guys, we're on a mission. We want to see people far from God discover their real life and purpose in Jesus. And one of the ways that we get to do this, this is my favorite. After the service today, the next step, the me I was born to be. They say, and I don't know who they is, but I've heard it said, that the two greatest days of your life are the day that you were born and the day that you realize or that you know why you're here. And this next step is how we do that, how we help you. It is my favorite. You have got to go today. Sean's going to be in there. You've got to go, and you've got to go through the snap steps. Do you realize the importance that you have to go? Okay, so one person's going. That's fine. We'll take the one person. The rest of you, ask him how it was afterwards. I'm telling you, it was absolutely incredible. Well, guys, we're in this series, Wait No More. And it feels like in 2020, we've been waiting for everything. Waiting for the curve to flatten. Waiting for the vaccine waiting for the election to be over, waiting for Congress to do anything at all, and waiting and waiting and waiting, waiting to get back to Kentucky Trail. Here we are. It's incredible. And guys, today, something oh so special. My twin brother from another mother is going to be bringing the word from the word. Glorious. Barry Hardy, everybody. Give him a round. I don't know who I complained to. He got all the good looks. I just got what was left over. It's like twins, right? Arnie and Danny DeVito. Merry Christmas, everybody. You guys excited for Christmas? Now, it's hard for me to say that because I'm kind of a little bit of a, a bah humbug. Chrissy says my heart's two sizes too small. You guys know that one? 
But it's, I told her, I said, it's not that I don't like Christmas. I just don't like celebrating it right the day after Halloween. So I don't know what's up with these box stores, but man, Merry Christmas. I can't wait for this season, especially in a year like 2020. Because 2020, man, it's been rough. We're looking, for, we're looking for anything that's positive. We're looking for something to hang on to, to run towards, to something that we can finally celebrate and still deal with, like, everything Brian was talking about, whether it's COVID or the elections or whatever. All the negativity this year, we're done with 2020, aren't we? So I want you guys to know it's easy to get caught up in the negativity, though, and to think that, man, I've got it worse than anybody else has ever had it before. And I want you guys to know that's not true. There's been other people across history that have been in the midst of a struggle, in the midst of a wait, and they never thought it was going to end either. And they were looking for God in that, in, the, in that time. And Israel was one of those people. And I want to throw that verse up that Brian read earlier, because that's our theme for this series, Wait No More. Galatians chapter 4. Let's read it with me one more time if you guys would. But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption unto sonship. God came to us, God ran to us, like Brian said, in the midst of us being broken and sinners, and he came to us, and we weren't gonna be slaves anymore. He's called us to be sons and daughters. And that's a powerful verse. One of the, one of the, the parts of this verse that really sticks out to me is, is in, the, in the early part, when the set time had fully come. I don't know about you guys, one of the, one of the things that pops into my mind when, like, when the time's done and it's over, is when a woman's pregnant and they're in their ninth month, right, or 10th month, whatever many weeks that works out to be. And we've had a lot of people having babies around here. I think, Rose, I saw you up here. Diane just had one. I was telling them the first, the first gathering. I, when it comes to that, that point, I'm Mr. Mr. Obvious. These guys are Captain Obvious. These guys can tell you because I come up, I'm like, you ready to have that baby? And they're never like, oh, no, let's let's stay in there a couple more months. They're over. They're ready for that time to be full. And they're, they're at that point. When it comes that ninth month, they were ready for it to be done. It's, it's this idea of being pregnant, fullness. And that's what God's idea was here was when the time was ready. Can't wait anymore. It's time. He brought the Messiah. And one of the last people to have the babies, I think the last one was Diane. And Diane had a little easier than the rest of the women here because she had Sean to take care of her. And he's way better than the rest of us, right? And Sean made life so easy, didn't he? I'm sure, Diane, just you were pampered, had the, had the, that's right, that's right, had the fan, rubbing her feet, painting her toenails, doing that whole thing, because that's the kind of guy that Sean is. Here's the thing. I don't know if a lot of you guys have heard some of our history, and, and man, Sean and I, we've been really good friends. I would consider him one of my best friends right now, one of my top two, somebody that I can talk to. You know, in, in any season, anything I need to uh, talk to. But if you think about the best friends that you guys have in your life, there was a point where you knew the person, but you didn't really know them. You know, and become a best friend, that takes some time. Well, I think back to, you know, a time where I knew Sean, but I didn't know him. And this was the beginning of a really close friendship. So we were at a previous church, and he was the youth pastor. We went on a men's retreat. The whole, the whole, the whole church, all the men went. We went out to Tulsa, Oklahoma. It's called the Men's Beast Feast. We had all this wild game, and it was a great time. And it was there, I learned how warped Sean really was. <laughs> His true colors really came out. I knew he was a youth pastor, I knew he was crazy, but I didn't really know how crazy. And one of the first things, the first night we got done with the meeting, we were there hanging out in the room, there was four of us in a room. Here comes the, we're flipping channels and here's a televangelist on and he's controlling. I'm like, what are you watching this for? And the guy's like, he reminded me of the rest of the details. The guy's like, if you just send me in your prayer seed, you send me in one, more, one month of your mortgage, man, God will return and he's gonna pay your house off. So I'm sitting there listening. It's in one ear, not the other. I was like, yeah, I've heard this spiel before. What does Sean do? Next thing I know, he's picking up his phone. He's calling these televangelists, right? I'm like, what are you doing? He calls up. He's like, hey, 
I just saw your commercial because I want to be a blessing to you. So I'm going to send you my address so you can send me your month, your mortgage payment to me this month. And he was soliciting the televangelist. Can you believe that? He's trying to get money from them. I was like, man, I like this guy. I didn't even know him that well. I never thought of that. He's messed up. I like it. We had a great retreat. It was a great time. Hung out with all these guys. Just, just a blast. Learned a lot. Just came out of, you know, how it's like going to camp for adults, you know, you're coming out with a spiritual high, so it was awesome. One of the last things that we did before we came back to Kansas City is we stopped and ate. We stopped at a place called McAllister's. They didn't have them here at the time, but they, didn't, they, they do now. If you, how many of you, you guys been to McAllister's? You guys love, I love the sweet tea, right? I'm a glutton for sweet tea. I'm not addicted to many things, but sweet tea at one time was one of them. Mistakes were made. <laughs> I drank three large glasses right before a four-hour road trip. Mistakes were made. I wasn't even thinking. I was like, oh, I'm a man. I don't bother me, whatever. I love this stuff. Get in. We're not five minutes out of Tulsa. And I'm sitting there like, oh, man, I could go to the bathroom already. So these guys are going to make fun of me. I can't do that. Well, here, I had an ace up my sleeve, though. The pastor of the church, he'd been my youth pastor. I knew this guy. He was like a second dad to me. I knew who he was. He had a smaller bladder than I did. And he always stopped whenever we went through Oklahoma. He always stopped at the McDonald's in Venita, Oklahoma, the one that went over the highway, right? I'm like, ah, I'll make it an hour. It's an hour from Tulsa to get there. I'm like, I can make it an hour, no problem. So I get lost in my phone, book. I don't remember even what I was doing. I was reading something, I think. And I get lost in it. Next thing I look up, and an hour had gone by. And I'm like, where are we? And I start looking around. I was like, pull up my phone. We had just passed Venita, Oklahoma. And I'm like, pastor, what are you doing? I look up, he's three seats in front of me. The pastor wasn't driving the bus. I'm like, oh, now fear's building, anxiety, pain. You know, I'm like, all right, I'm in trouble now. Cause I knew the next stop was probably gonna be Joplin and I knew they would stop there for sure. But that was another hour away. I was like, man, I don't know if I can make it an hour. So I'm gaming or, you know, trying to come up with situations, possibilities. How am I going to get out of this without being just look like a complete moron? So I'm like, all right, I'm just going to tough it out. It's a mind over matter. So I start reading again. Ten minutes later, man, that's not working anymore. I was like, well, if pastor's not driving, I bet my other, one of my other good, really good friends named Curtis, I bet he's driving. I bet I can sneak up there and talk to Curtis, and he'll pull off, you know, the next town that we get to, and I'll be okay, and I won't look like a complete idiot. He'll just make it look good and, you know, save my dignity and pride, right? And as the minute I get to get up, I'm going to go up to the front to see Curtis, who's right in front of the pastor in the seat right in front of him. This is my buddy Curtis. Curtis isn't driving the bus either. And I'm like, oh, no. So I'm like, oh, I can't go up talking to anybody else. So I sit there. I'm like, all right, I'm going to tough it out. Ten, more, ten minutes later, I'm doubled up in the back, just holding my stomach. I'm like, I'm not going to make it. So I'm like, pastor, we got to stop. He's like three seats from me. He's like, why? I said, I've got to go to the bathroom. He's like, oh, you'll make it. It was another 30 minutes to Joplin. I'm like, I can't wait no more. I can't wait no more. He goes, he goes, We'll, we'll stop a drop on him. I said, you stop now or it's happening here in the back of the bus. You pick. I don't care. That bus is slowing down. I'm running to the front. I'm like a running back. I got tunnel vision. I'm going to the front and hard right out of the door. And I get out to the, out to the wheel. I mean, we're on I-44. There's no, there's, it's wide open. There's cars flying up and down the road. I'm probably being as modest as I can. And that's hard to do on the side of a highway. And you would think... After being on a spiritual retreat, a men's retreat, all these guys would be, you know, they would be for me, right? Oh, no. They're 60-year-old men. That's right. They're 60-year-old men hanging out, hooting and hollering, taking videos with their, their camera. Like, you guys need to grow up. And just when I think everything's going to be okay and, and, and my bladder pressure is starting to relieve, I feel the bus start to move. <laughs> Down 44, and I'm not done yet. <laughs> 
Pastor wasn't driving the bus. Curtis wasn't driving the bus. Guess who was driving the bus? <laughs> Pastor Sean. Man, I haven't got you back, but I'm going to. <laughs> when you wait too long, who here knows that you, f- you get filled with fear, anxiety, pain. You know, and, and that's a story that something happened to me physically. But man, in 2020, how many of you have gone through something that, man, I can't wait anymore. Or maybe you feel like you waited too long and you, you didn't get to the job that you thought you should have been at. And now you feel insecure. Or maybe you put yourself in a bad position. Or maybe you're just, your health's compromised and, and you, got, you, know, you got sick because of it. You know, I think about Jody. I mean, he's had a lot in his life with transplants and stuff. And he got COVID. And thank God, you know, God's pulled him out of it. But man, he was in a dark spot. And there's so many of you guys are in the same boat. 2020 has been a rough one, and it just feels like you've waited too long, and, and this stuff is built, and it's just destroyed, and it's taken over your life. Well, I want you guys to know, as bad as 2020 has been, and God's people have been there before, and Israel had a spot in their history where they felt just like we do in 2020. Man, where's God? Is he ever going to show up? Because if you know anything about Israel, they were God's chosen people. They were the people that God gave the Bible to back in the day, the Old Testament. They were the people that God spoke to. He sent his prophets through Israel. They were a people that were used to having God speak through them in their lives and in their history. And of course, they were like us. They messed up, but God was always there. Well, they got to a point in their history, and they had the last prophets and the last books of the Old Testament. And then God went silent on them for 400 years, like Sean talked about last week. And God didn't speak for 400 years until Jesus showed up. Can you imagine 400 years knowing that you're God's chosen people, but God went quiet? Man, what would go through your mind? Because not only did God go quiet, all hell broke loose for this nation. They were conquered, first of all, by, uh, by Babylon. Then they were hauled off into exile. And then they came back. That's the story of the last few prophets. And then after that, God went quiet. Their temple was desecrated by, by the Greeks. It was raided by the Greeks. They were destroyed and taken over. And then ultimately in Jesus' time, they were still under the dominion of the Romans. They couldn't even do what they wanted to do. Pilate was there. They couldn't run their own lives. How many of us are in that same boat? And we just feel like we're, we're broken and we're beaten down and God's silent. And we can only even control our own lives. And we're still waiting for God to show up. So that's what the idea of the Messiah is. When you look in Galatians, God sent his son. The Jews were looking for something called Messiah. And it simply means this, the chosen one. And in the scriptures... There was prophecy after prophecy talking about what the Messiah would do and who he was. And that's what Israel was waiting for. And a lot of times that's what we were waiting for. And as bad as 2020 has been, can you imagine 400 years of 2020? Man, we can't even imagine going through 2021 with the same year they just went through. They went through 400 years of that. 400 years ago, the Mayflower was coming across. We can't even think of what 400 years is like. But yet, Israel, God's chosen people, dealt with 400 years of destruction and desolation and silence from God. How did they survive? Here's the one, one of the things. I'm a little bit of a nerd, a little bit of a geek. There's something called apologetics. And for me, in my faith, in my faith journey, one of the things that I lashed onto when I was going through some struggles was like, all right, I want to know, I'm really, I tried to be a logical person. Like, how do you prove God exists? You know, is God really real? Am I believing a fairy tale? Is this all a story that somebody made up 2,000 years ago and I just bought into it? You know, is this like Scientology? Is that, is, that, is that kind of what I'm on? So I really got heavy and deep into this. And there's a lot of, if you ever, if, this, if that's you and you haven't learned about any of this, there's a lot of cool things that kind of point towards God and they prove God, or at least the high probability that God exists. For example, there's an idea of something called the cosmological argument. 
It's the idea that there was a first cause. There was something that started everything. Or there's something called the teleological argument. You can't look out and not to see the design of the universe and know that somebody designed it. It's kind of like intelligent design. Or the moral argument. How do we know that something's good and something's bad? Where does that come from? It's the, our argument for morality. Well, one of the coolest things that I ever learned about and am still learning about is this is that all those proofs dealt with just God, you know, in the sense that, you know, there is a God out there. One of the most powerful arguments, though, is specifically arguing for the existence of Jesus and the proof of who he was and who he said he was. In the Old Testament, do you guys know there's around 400 prophecies dealing with who the Messiah was? And, man, they run the gambit. They run, they run everything from the Messiah was going to be virgin-born he was, going to be, he was going to be destroyed with the wicked. That's how Jesus was hung with two other sinners. He was going to be buried in a rich man's uh, place. You know, he took the tomb of a rich man. One of the coolest ones is this, Isaiah 53. Read this with me. It talks about what, what the Messiah would do for his people. It says, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid upon him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, and yet he did not open his mouth, and he was led like a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before its shears is silent, so he did not open his mouth. Man, if you've watched the movie The Passion or you've read the stories of the Gospels, man, it's almost word for word what Jesus did for us. So here's the really powerful part. Here's the cool part. 400 prophecies. If you ran the stats, and mathematicians have done it, and Lee Strobel talks about it in one of his books, I think it was Case for Christ, the ability or the, or the, 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 the probability that only eight of these prophecies were fulfilled by one person is astronomical. You can't even think of the number. It's huge. It's like one with, like, it's like 600 zeros to the 20th power. It's a number I don't even know. can't even fathom. But somebody came up with a really cool metaphor, and I, it might even have been Lee, but he used it, is imagine this. Here's the probability of one person fulfilling eight of these prophecies. Imagine all the dry land across the world, every continent, even Antarctica, North America, South America, Africa, Australia. Every inch of dry land is covered by one and a half inch tiles, about like this square, one and a half by one and a half, laid out flat across the whole world. But underneath one of those tiles, there's a red X that's flipped upside down, marked with an X. So here's the probability. You take your whole life and you walk the whole world. And at the very end of your life, you reach down and bend over and grab one tile and flip it up. Of the whole world, you reach down and you find that one X. It's impossible. It can't happen. And that's the probability of only eight of these prophecies being fulfilled, let alone 400 of them. And here's the thing. The Jews, the chosen people of God, they knew these prophecies. They knew what the Messiah was supposed to do. And in fact, you see the story of Jesus like, Man, I thought, I thought the Messiah was supposed to be born in Bethlehem because they knew Jesus was from Nazareth. And so they knew it, but they didn't know everything because they weren't expecting God to really show up in their lives. I think that was the real issue. But there were a few Jews that were. And one of the coolest guys is this. His name was Simeon. And he was an older guy, and he'd received a word from the Lord after Jesus was, you know, Jesus was born and, and right at that time. And he was promised by God that he would see the Messiah. And so here he's walking, and Simeon's waiting just like us in 2020, but he's waiting in a different way than a lot of us wait. He's not waiting with fear and anxiety. He's waiting with a hope. He's waiting with a purpose. 
because he knew that he was going to lay eyes on the Messiah before he died. And read with me in Luke chapter 2. It says this, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations. Simeon was in the temple, and here comes Mary and Joseph, and they bring in the baby. They bring in baby Jesus to dedicate him and have him circumcised. And as soon as Simeon sees Jesus, the Holy Spirit moves in his heart, and this is what he says. Simeon was waiting with a purpose. How does that change our perspective in the world, especially in a year like 2020 when we have all this pain and struggle? How would that change our lives to know that there's something to be, to be brought out of that pain and that suffering to wait with a purpose? A great story that Jesus implements this idea of waiting with a purpose is the story of the woman at the well. And we're going to read it here in a second, a part of it in John chapter 4. Jesus was in a human body, and he, he struggled with the same issues we did, and he, get tired. he got tired, had to eat, had to rest, in the same way that we do. Well, he was making a journey from Judea, where Jerusalem was and the temple was, and he was going back home to Galilee, and he had to go through this little area called Samaria. Now, if you know anything about Samaria, Samaria is not the place that you want to be in. It was a means to an end. It's like going to, you want to go to Colorado? What do you got to go through? You got to go through Kansas. Nobody stops in Kansas, nobody stops in Kansas because you want to, right? Especially Western Kansas. I know, Brian, I know that you liked all those windmills out there, but nobody wants to see those windmills. I don't anyway. I'm ready to get to the mountains. Samaria was someplace you went through to get to where you were going. So Jesus finds himself in the midst of Samaria, and he needs to rest. He has to wait. The disciples take off. They're going to go get some food, whatever else they needed. So Jesus is sitting there waiting. Here's the difference between Jesus and what I often do, and maybe you often do. Jesus is on mission. Even though he's resting and in the midst of his waiting, he's waiting with a purpose like Simeon was doing. You know, I would have probably been chilling out, sitting on a hammock, getting a drink of water, just go to sleep, take a nap on my iPhone, whatever. Not Jesus. Jesus is looking for an opportunity. Jesus is looking for somebody he can bring the truth of God's word into their life because he knows there's hurting people that need hope around him. So who shows up? A Samaritan woman shows up. He's in Samaria. Well, here's the other thing maybe you don't know about Samaritans. Samaritans were considered like half-breeds. They were partly Jewish, but partly Gentile because they'd been conquered in a previous time and intermarried. And the Jews looked at them like, you take the worst racist that you could ever think of and what they think of whatever that race is, and that's what the Jews thought of the Samaritans. So the last person in the world that should ever talk to this Samaritan woman was Jesus, who was a Jew and a man, because men didn't talk to women, especially strange women at the time. She had no expectation for this Jewish man to say anything to her. She wasn't looking for this rabbi to have anything to do with her at all. And yet, Jesus saw her in her, in her midst of who she was and her, her being despised. And he reached down and gave her a truth. Because here's the other thing, if you don't know the story. Not only was she a Samaritan, she was the lowest of the low, even in her community. If you read the story, Jesus talks about, you know, what water does. And, and he wants to give her living water. And he's like, go tell your husband and then come back. And she's like, well, I don't have a husband. And he said, you know, you're right. You've had five husbands. And the guy that you're with right now is not even married to you. In that society, that was the worst of the worst. Not only was she a Samaritan, but she was just even lower than that. And I've heard some sermons that put her in the, in the idea of that maybe she was a prostitute or maybe she was just a loose woman. And those could be true. I'm not saying if they are or they're not. The Bible doesn't say. But my guess is more accurate, I think, is this. I think, that, I think that woman was probably a used and abused woman. Because what would happen then is, is 
that women had no power in that society. And so what happened is somebody married her, got done with her, threw her away. And so she just found the next person that was willing to take her in. She needed security. I don't think she was just a, a woman with loose morals. I think she was a person that was destroyed and used and abused. And God was looking for that opportunity to find somebody that was looking for something. Because Jesus was waiting with a purpose, but that Samaritan woman was waiting for hope. And she went for the things that we all need in 2020, the material things. She was there for water. And God knows that we need those things. But in the midst of her searching for the daily things that she needed, she found the Savior of the world. And here's the other interesting thing to me is, is that she wasn't, she wasn't a dummy. She knew a lot because she was asking Jesus questions. She's like, our forefathers, talking about Samaritans, said we should worship in this mountain. She goes, but I know you Jews, you say we have to worship in Jerusalem in the temple. You know, which one's right? And so if you guys read with me, Jesus gives her a great answer in John chapter 4. He says, yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers that the Father seeks. God is spirit and his worshipers must seek and worship in the spirit and truth. It's not about a place. It's about an attitude. It's about something in your heart and spirit. And here's the lowest of the low. And God's given her a message of hope because she can't get to the mountain. She can't get to Jerusalem. She's not worthy. She, couldn't, she wouldn't even be led in the temple even if she showed up. But God said, or Jesus said, God is here and is going to accept your worship based on who you are if you come in the spirit and truth. And here's the, other, the really, really interesting thing is that so many people ask Jesus, who, you, who are you? Who do you think you are? Are you a prophet? Or you think you're the Messiah? And very, very few times Jesus ever answered that question directly. And, and to her, this Samaritan woman, he gave one of the few direct confirmation that he is the Messiah because she says, I know the Messiah is going to reveal all things. He goes, that's me. What does she do? This is the thing that's just powerful and just drives home, you know, how much I miss sometimes and how much I lack. She gets the answer to the hope that she was waiting for. She was waiting for this answer. She couldn't find it anywhere else. She couldn't find it in a relationship. She couldn't find it in any kind of job security, but she found it in the chosen one, the Messiah in Jesus and what does she do? Does she sit there and hang out? No, she knows other people that are just like her, that need that same hope that she had, or she has, and had an answer. And she runs back to her community. Can you imagine walking back, running back to the community, the person that is, everybody looks down on? Guess what, guys? I just found the Messiah. And they're like, yeah, I'm sure you did. But sure enough, they believed her enough to come out and check for herself. The hope that she brought to them in their lives it was, it was an avenue, it was a path for them to come meet Jesus for themselves. And that's what they say at the end of the story. We believe not only based on what you say that he told you about you, we believe because we believe it with our own ears. They met Jesus. We have that same opportunity to come and bring hope to people that don't have any hope. You know, we're waiting in 2020 for God to show up and he's there the whole time. He's there to use you and to use me in the sense that we can bring hope and power to people's lives. God's calling us to bring Jesus to our family and friends. Who's that person that, who's that woman in the well in your life that everybody looks down on and despises? They would never go to church. They hate God, but they're waiting for hope. We all have that person in our life. And Jesus talks about later in this story is like, what are you guys waiting for? The harvest is here. The time is now. Wait no more. There's a time to get moving. There's a time to rest, but there's a time to start. You know, I ask myself, why do we wait? You know, what is, what is it about that that, that that causes us to do that? And I think a little bit of it's human nature. But I also ask this question, it's like, if I wait, 
and I don't trust God, what do I miss out on? Because if I don't wait with a purpose like Jesus, what if Jesus hadn't been waiting on purpose? He would have missed the woman at the well. Her whole life would have continued. Where would she be? So who's that person in my life that God has given me an opportunity to be a difference in, in their lives? And what do I miss on, on by waiting too long? And I think we're, we're used to waiting. You know, we're used to waiting in the grocery line or the movies or Worlds of Fun. Or I was making fun of my wife. She waited for two hours to go through 10 minutes at Longview Farms to go through the Christmas light deal, right? I don't get it. I just don't. How many of you guys did that? Did you guys go through that this year? I'm sorry. I pray for you guys. I pray for you. But we wait all the time. You know, I think at Worlds of Fun, I was telling the first gathering, sometimes we wait and, you know, we're still disappointed. The last time I went, I waited for an hour and a half to ride the mom. But the last thing I was going to do, and it breaks down and I'm the next person in line. I'm like, oh, disappointment abounds, right? So oftentimes, like in 2020, we're waiting for the right job to show up. We're waiting for the right relationship to show up. And we don't go out and pursue it in the way that God wants us to. So can I hit, I'm, I, I, you guys give me a little grace here. I'm going to hit a timeout for a second. Today is December the 20th. And today is my 23rd anniversary to be married to Christy. Oh, I know, right? I don't know how she's put up with me this long, but she's still hanging in there. So she's doing a great job. Tell her to keep it up. She said it's cheaper to keep me. I don't know what that means. But can I tell you a secret? She tried to kill me 15 years ago. Can you believe that she would do this to me? Send me up in a perfectly good airplane to jump out of it? How many of you guys have... Anybody here been skydiving? Raise your hands. A few people. My brother back there, he's left. He jumped out right before me. He's a moron too. Here's the thing about skydiving, man. Why would anybody ever do this? Here's, here's what I really want you to notice. It's not, what's, it's not what's in the picture, what's not in the picture. Do you see anybody else in there with me? You know what? For 15 extra dollars... I could have jumped with an experienced guy. I could have been strapped off to him, and I would have felt way better about that. But no, it was 15 extra dollars. I don't know what that calculus was. It was the life insurance minus the funeral cost, and there just wasn't 15 extra dollars in that. I, I, I don't know. I, I was like, come on, babe, $15. I could, have, I could have picked it up an extra shift or something this week. We could have made that happen. When you skydive all by yourself, I'm sitting at 3,000 feet right here in this picture, you see that little yellow cord on the back? That's the only thing holding me to that airplane that's going to pull that chute. Because you don't pull it on your own, it pulls it for you. So you spend, when you go do this, you spend eight hours to learn two things, basically. Trust your jump master, who's the guy, the blonde guy with the glasses, and trust your parachute. And after eight hours, I had it right up here. But you know where I didn't have it? Right here. <laughs> Man, when you get into that airplane, they tell you, here's the four things you get to do. First step is you get to the door and you put your feet on the step. I don't know if you can see that step there or not. I'm kind of blocking it with my head. Second step, you reach out and you grab the wing strut, and that's what I'm hanging on to. Step three, you kick your feet off. Step four, he points at you and says go, and you let go. Man, Dusty was already gone. gone. He didn't see this. I did the first three pretty good, way better than I thought I was going to. I got out to the edge. I got out, put my feet on. I grabbed that strut. I kicked him off, and I'm flying like Superman. I'm going through the air. But step four... Ooh, that's a doozy, letting go. I didn't do so good with that one because you look at the jump master and it's basically 1,001 and you let go when he tells you to. 
I was hanging on. I went 1,001, 1,002. I got up to about 1,030. <laughs> he's all getting frantic. He's pointing, you got to go. I've got an earpiece. He's like, you got to go. You got to let go. Why don't we let go? Why do we wait too long? I was waiting too long. You can't wait anymore. Well, here's the reason. I didn't trust the parachute. I was scared of the consequences of letting go and trusting somebody other than myself because I felt pretty good in control just hanging on because that was still in my strength. I wasn't depending on the jump master and I wasn't depending on my parachute. It was all about me. I was controlling the situation and that's why so many of us wait too long. We're in 2020 and it's way easier to just try to control the situation with our own strengths, with our own wisdom, with our own logic, our own plans, our own goals. And we think it's gonna work out. But here's the reality, and here's what I started to realize while I'm flying through the air like Superman. Am I really in control? I'm hanging on as tight as I can, but I'm not directing that plane. I can't control that plane, not with my will, not with my strength. Same way with your consequences or what are the circumstances of you are in the world. You can hang on as tight as you want, and you're still going somewhere, and most likely you're still not in control. Your circumstances are like that plane. You hang on as long as you're as strong as you want, but they're still directing you someplace. Well, here's the real issue. The longer that we hold on, the more danger that we're in. The more danger we put ourselves in by hanging on too long because we don't trust the shoot. We don't trust God. Because we haven't, we're not sure that he'll really show up. We feel like Israel in the 400 years, man, God feels silent. Is he really the Messiah? Is he really the chosen one? Does he really want the best for me? So I'm flying through the air. The realization comes into this is like, I don't know how much longer I can hold on. And then a voice comes over the, the, over the intercom. And they said, if you don't let go, you're gonna, miss your, you're gonna miss your destination. You're gonna miss the place that you need to be at. Because when you jump out of this airplane, there's a big X in a field. And that's when you let go, and you get your parachute all straightened out. That's your aiming point. That's where your destination is. That's your goal. But what happened? I was getting outside of my destination. I was getting outside of where I needed to be. And the longer I held on, the further I got away from that. And I think that's the true in the physical world as it is in the spiritual world. God's got something great for you. And we miss opportunities all the time because we're hanging on too tight. The woman at the well, what if Jesus would have passed her by? She wouldn't have been in the spot that she needed to be. And Jesus wouldn't miss opportunity that God had for her. I mean, how many opportunities have I missed in my life? Because I know the ones that I've taken and I thought, oh, there's no way that that person will listen to me. There's no, person, there's no way that that person wants anything to do with God. And then I'm completely shocked when they are. But how many opportunities did I miss? Because I was holding on to some fear, some struggle, some insecurity, and I didn't think God was, you know, in it. When you let go, God has your back. If you see this picture here, that, that nylon cord wasn't gonna fail. It's rated for 20,000 pounds. And I know I'm a little heavier now than I was in that picture, but I didn't weigh 20,000 pounds in either. That thing pulled, that parachute, that parachute was meant to hold somebody way bigger than me. And here's the other thing, with the rare exception of my brother and a couple other people that weren't scared the first time, <laughs> you know who really wasn't scared? These jump masters, they had jumped hundreds, if not thousands of times. And they knew something in here that I only knew up here that the parachute would be okay and would take care of me. And so they, they had a sense of joy and peace and just had a great time doing what they loved to do. 
because they'd experienced the safety of the parachute and they knew they're going to make it down to the ground. Well, I think for so many of us, we haven't trusted God in our lives, so we're still scared. And for me, my first time doing this, this jump, I'd like to say that once I let go and that chute opened, everything was cool, but for me, it wasn't. Come over to the intercom and they're like, once you get, when your chute opens and you're floating down, they're like, all right, pull your, pull your left handle and what it does is it directs you to the left. All right, pull your right handle and pull it down and it directs you to the right. And then they tell you like, all right, have a good time, just get to the landing zone. Everybody else is out doing circles and Dusty's doing flips and all this other stuff. Not me. I, I'm right to that X, baby. I'm headed down. I'm getting there as fast as I can humanly get there. But I knew I was still in, and at that point, I still knew that I was good because the parachute was taking me where I needed to do or go. But if I had done this thousands of times, I would have had a great time because I would have known and had the experience that the parachute was gonna take, take care of me. So in the same way, when you go through hard times like you are right now, you can look back in your life and say, yeah, I've been here before. I know God's gonna show up. And more than that, I know God's gonna teach me something out of this. God's gonna use this just to build me better and faster and stronger than I've ever would have done on my own. And I like to, I like to look at it this way. This is my last metaphor and we'll, we'll finish up last, last aspect. I like, I don't know if any of you guys like war movies, I like Band of Brothers. I love all these, these stories of just all these heroes that go in and sacrifice for something greater than themselves. There's a guy that I started listening to. His name is David Goggins. He's one of the very, very few black uh, individuals that have gone through special forces. And he holds all kinds of records. He's the only person to go through Navy SEAL bud school three times. He, knocked, he got knocked out of the first two because of injuries, made it through on the third time. And then he's done something nobody else has done, at least the last time I checked, is he went, finished buds, was, became a Navy SEAL, and then he went to Army Ranger School. Nobody else has done that. Well, the interesting thing about him is this, is that he had every reason in the world not to be there. He grew up with a gangster father who beat him and abused him and his mother. He had learning disabilities. He struggled with school, couldn't even read when he was in high school. Couldn't even get in the military until he passed his GED. He had all these struggles and he, he, likes, to, he likes to give this, this analogy. He's like, he goes, I stopped at a point in my life where I knew I was gonna become a failure or I was gonna become a success and all depended on me. And he has this idea and he calls it his 40% rule. He says this is that for most people, when you think you've given everything that you can, like you have in 2020, man, God, I've given everything I can. I've got all the faith. This is all the faith that I've got. Goggins 40% rule is this. He goes, for most people, he goes, when you think you've done everything that you can, the reality is, is that you haven't gone near as far as that you thought you have. He goes, most of the time when you think you've given 100%, you've really only given 40. And I've looked back at my life and I was like, yeah, because sometimes God has stretched me and I'm like, man, I never knew it was in there. I never I thought God could use me in that way. And here's the one difference I would have with Goggins because he's really all about the individual, about what you can do. And he's missing out on the point of like, we have something bigger than ourselves because we'll always fail ultimately on our own. But God, the Messiah, the chosen one shows up in your life because he's always pursuing you. You just have to open your arms. And as believers, if you're in that state, sometimes we just have to reopen our arms because we've forgotten who he, who he is and what he wants for us. Here's the issue with suffering. Nobody wants to go through it. Nobody wants to deal with the struggles of a relationship breakup, a loss or death of a loved one, dealing with sickness. But I want you guys to know that suffering does something to us that just gives you an experience and a knowledge that God shows up 
that you couldn't, that you, you would never have if you hadn't gone through it. You know, I mentioned those war movies. And you think of, you think of some of those grizzled, hard veterans. And I tell you what, if I ever got called into battle, who would I want to go in with? Would I want to go in with the guy that had just gotten there, had never been through anything? Or do I want to go in with the guys that got the scars on his face, has seen the battles and survived and knows how to get through it? And it's the same thing with us. Man, I love my kids, but when I'm going through something, I can't go to my 16-year-old because they haven't gone through what I need to, to draw on. They don't have the experience. He hasn't had enough life experience to draw on what God can do. But you know who I can go to? I can go to somebody that has either lost a loved one. Maybe they've been divorced. Maybe they've raised kids. Maybe they've had a, a near-death experience and they got sick. Those are the people that I can lean on and go to because God has showed up in their lives. And they're like, yeah, that was tough, but here's what I learned. And here's how you can get through it too. Who can you be that for this, this season? Because I want you guys to know the suffering you go through, man, it is not a setback. It's an opportunity. Man, it's a lesson. It's a preparation. It's a lesson for us to depend on God. Jesus gave everything and lived a perfect life. And guess what? They still killed him. If you've watched The Passion of the Christ that we talked about earlier, man, he suffered more than you and I will ever dream about. But the purpose in his, in, in his life was this, is that in his death, in his suffering, he redeemed the world. He redeemed eternity. And we get to play some sort of small role and do the same thing and, and, and imitate God in this, in this sense that you can change the world for somebody in your life today, this week. The woman at the well, and they're just looking for some hope. How hard is it to give them some little hope and say, hey, here's what I went through. Here's maybe what I'm going through, but here's how I trust God. Man, you will just change their lives. You will make a difference that you will never, ever understand. Here's the conclusion of this story. As the woman was leaving, guess who showed back up? The disciples. They'd gotten their food, they'd gotten their groceries, they were coming back to Jesus. And they saw that Jesus had been talking to the Samaritan woman. What do you think the reaction would have been? Oh man, way to go, Jesus, that's cool. Man, they were, they were shocked in a bad way. They're like, what are you doing? Why are you talking to this person? You're way better than she is. Jesus has this heart to heart moment with his disciples and he has to get them realigned. He says, you guys are worried about food and I have food you don't even know about. These guys are so thick, they're like me. They're like, oh man, did Jesus, did somebody bring Jesus Lunchable or something like that? No, Jesus is like, you guys still don't get it. My food is to do the will of my father. When I wait with a purpose, when we wait with a purpose, we're doing the will of God. We can show up in somebody's life and it will shock the world like it shocked the disciples. Why are you talking to them or her? And we may, you may get to ask the same question. Why are you talking to them? And you'll get to answer and give a hope for the reason that lies within you is that, man, I can't not share. I can't not give somebody hope that's waiting for it because I'm here waiting with a purpose. And this is what God's called me to do. And I want you guys to know in 2020, moving into 2021, take those opportunities to make all the difference in the world. And I don't know how that is for you. Maybe that's taking time to love somebody that's unlovable. Maybe that's, you know, giving huge to the heart for the house because you believe in what we're doing here. 
I don't know what it is for you, but I want you guys to know that, man, God has given each and every one of you something great to do. Man, you are not, you are not a bit player. You're not just a, I don't know, I can't remember what they call them, a, non, a non-content player on, on video games. You know, somebody that doesn't do anything. Sorry, I'm not that much of a nerd now. But you have a role to play. You are Zelda, right? You're in that legend. God has something great for you. Don't walk through life and miss your opportunities to find that woman at the well. Don't take the opportunity. Don't miss the opportunities to take the things that 2020 has taken from you. And man, take that back and know that those are opportunities for God to show up not only your life, but in the life of those around you. Would you guys pray with me? God, we come before you. And God, we just give you honor and glory. God, just thank you for an ability just to, to, to recognize who you are as the Messiah, as the chosen one. God, I pray for each person in this room. Man, I think about what 2020's done to so many people in here's lives. God, I just, God, I just thank you for that the fact that you're faithful. Even if we don't always understand some of the answers to our prayers, God, I know that you show up. So I wanna pray for a couple of people, a couple of different groups of people today. The first one I wanna, first group I wanna pray for is, man, maybe you're a Christian here today and you're just, you're at a spot where maybe you've lost some hope and you feel like you're waiting in fear and anxiety like I, like I did on that airplane. You don't wanna let go, but you know that your, your last ounces of strength are fading. And you know that you're in a spot where you've got to trust somebody. Man, can I encourage you guys to trust God today? Can I, tr- can I encourage you guys to not only trust God, but man, trust God that will use you in a powerful way just to impact somebody else's life. If you're like that today, man, if you want to raise your hand, I would love to pray with you. Just if you need some encouragement and you know that God has something great for you, I want to pray for you. God, God, I... I wanna lift up the people that are just looking for some encouragement, not only to to get past the hope or get past the fear and anxiety and find the hope that you have for them. I just wanna pray for them that they are a strength and a beacon and a light for your hope for those that are around them. God, I pray that they're an influence and a difference maker in their friend's life, in their family life, in their work life. God, I pray that you just give them an irrational generosity of time and talent and treasure. And God, that they invest in your kingdom in a way that just magnifies and glorifies your name. Last group I wanna pray for today is, man, maybe you're here and you know a little bit about Christmas and you've never heard the term Messiah, the chosen one. And you've heard about Jesus, but you didn't know all this was going on. And I wanna pray for you as well, because what, what better time to give your life to God, to, to follow Jesus, make a decision for him in the midst of the time that we celebrate his birth. You know that you have a life that's just been destroyed and broken, and then you're looking for some hope like the woman at the well. If you're in that position and you wanna make a decision for Jesus, man, it's easy. Just pray a prayer similar to what I've got here or I'm gonna pray with you guys. God, I've lived a life on my own and in my own control, and it's yielded nothing but pain and destruction. And I know it's full of just hurt and sin for me and those that are around me. God, I give over them. I give over my broken life to you and I accept the sacrifice that your son came into the world to give. God, I, I accept the chosen one, the one that will bring hope to the, to the rest of my life and redeem the rest of my future and my eternity and will bring purpose. And God, I lift up these things in your name, amen. Man, if you prayed that prayer today, man, I just, I'm so excited for you guys. In fact, we're like, can we give everybody just, can we give them a round of applause for everybody?
can't wait to see how God shows up in your life this Christmas season. Come on, what a word. Man, that's awesome. Hey, come on, he gave it from peeing on a bus to airplanes jumping off, letting go, letting God. He brought us everywhere today. Come on, give for Barry. That was good, man. Um, you gave my wife some ideas. You're talking about Christmas in the park, and she said, it's not too late, so thanks, Barry. <laughs> but hey, I love you guys, and uh, man, what, seriously, what a great word. And um, man, some of you guys let go today and let God. I mean, some of you guys surrender some stuff today as Barry's talking and talking about letting go of that plane. And if that's you, we want to help you on your journey, just every step of the way. Uh, the Christian life's not made to do alone. It's so easy to say, well, I'll, I'll make a decision. I'll, I'll take it myself. I'm going to hold on and get this done in my own way, my own strength, my own power. But we'd love to help you on that journey. And so if you made a decision for Jesus today, the best way to connect with us is to text RLNEXT97000. Some of our team's going to work with you and just get with you and to help you on your journey with Jesus. Uh, we got a gift for you on the way out. we got a Bible for you and a red bag, and it's got some first uh, steps for you as you follow Jesus. And I want to encourage the church to do a couple things in this season. One is to be praying and inviting people out to our Christmas gatherings uh, coming up this week. Uh, I'm telling you, it's going to be amazing. There's some cool stuff we're doing, and it's going to be a good reflection back to 2020, but it's really looking at God's faithfulness. And God's been with us every step of the way, and we got some amazing things. And this is a great time to bring somebody who is far from God, but close to you. Uh, maybe you got a neighbor, a friend, or a family member. I would encourage you to invite people out. I know God's going to speak in this, and there's been some amazing things that have happened this year, and God is going to use it. So, man, don't come alone. Bring somebody with you. And so I want to encourage you as well, uh, pick the phone up this week. Uh, just, in a, just a way of encouraging somebody. Uh, you know, the season's been tough on every single person. There's some empty seats at the table this holiday uh, for many people. Uh, there's relationships that have fallen apart for many people. It's just a tough season. And on the outside, people may look like they're doing great, <laughs> all right? But on the inside, they may have fallen apart. And so, man, can you just pick the phone up and just reach out to somebody? Uh, we're the church of Jesus, and we're going to spread some hope. The best way to do it is just call somebody up. Maybe some in your family, maybe some in the church, maybe it's a neighbor. And just say, I'm praying for you. How can I pray for you? I want you to know I love you in this season and Merry Christmas and invite them out to real life. But man, can you do that for me? Come on. Can we do that? Can we care for somebody in a season? It's all about that. Get some relationships going. Um, last thing is this. I want to encourage you guys to be generous, irrationally generous to our heart for the house giving in this season. Uh, this year has been really cool in a lot of ways. It's been difficult in a lot of ways. Uh, but we've seen, this is a crazy stat, 125,000 minutes of content viewed through Facebook or on church online in this season. That's not incredible or what? Like that number is just like, what just happened? Like people are logging in, people are getting connected. And because of our digital campus, I believe it's pushing people to actually come out here in person. And so we've had uh, engagement through a digital campus, first time guests here and on digital campus, over 750 people have connected through that. And in person, we've had almost 250 people come to KT. And we've only met seven months out of the year. That's absolutely incredible. Normal year is like 300, 350. So seven months, we're, we're doing really, really good. So I'm just encouraged to see what God is doing behind the scenes. And so I believe for us, our vision for this next year as we move forward is to mobilize the church. Just to get us more on mission, just to be where people are at. And that's where they're at. They're on their phones. Come on, somebody, right? I mean, Barry missed his P-stop because he's on the phone. You know what I'm saying? I'm just telling you. And this is where people are at. They're on Facebook, they're on social media. And so for us, we're going to drive that direction. We're just going to go as God leads. And I believe we're just barely scratching the surface of what God is calling us to do. I mean, we've been filming in my basement. Come on. Uh, you'll see a picture on uh, the First time we went online, you'll see it uh, on, on the Christmas gatherings. Uh, we filmed in Rob's basement. We filmed in a studio. And uh, we're kind of like homeless without space for a studio right now. And so I'm always moving the equipment around and yada, yada. But we want to make a bigger presence online. We want to increase our followers uh, just to reach more people. 
uh, just to see more people donate them to Jesus, and that's where people are at. And so we're asking you to ask God to give your largest one-time gift just to bless the thing that blesses you in this season. The money's gonna go towards tenant finishing a multi-use space. Uh, it's gonna be probably around 1,200 to 2,000 square feet uh, just to give us a space to film a place to be passionate about sharing Jesus, a place for our worship team to practice. I know they've been in basements and get our youth group a home. Come on, somebody. They've been bouncing and bouncing and bouncing and just a place for us to have like a physical presence in the community and just make a difference. So first step in that vision. Same thing is this, when you give, we're using it to develop and deploy people for a mission. There is people here today that have a number on your back and you want the number to be bigger for Jesus. There's nobody back, maybe it's five, maybe it's one, maybe it's 10. You're like, you know what, I wanna do more for God. God's called me to serve in the church, to make a bigger impact. And we wanna pull you in. Uh, we wanna help grow you and encourage you and uh, put you in the internship program, internship program and just apprentice you. Uh, what, what it's like to come up on stage or go behind the scenes or serve in different ministries and just really give you some practical hands-on experience to grow you. Our goal over the next two years is develop and deploy 100 leaders in our church. Now you're thinking, you may not know how to conceptualize that, but that's a, that's a pretty good goal. And for us, I believe we can do that. And one of the ways we do that is to develop people through internship program. Uh, the people just get out of that and they step to the next level, whether it's a leader or a coach, and they run teams here at our church, or maybe they get sent out and do something somewhere else for God. But I'm just encouraged what God's doing this season. When you guys give here, it's gonna make all the difference in the world to do these things. So I wanna encourage you to ask God, uh, be faithful what he tells you. I always tell people that the first number is your number, come on somebody. He's like, that's what I can afford. And the second number is what God's asking me to do. Whatever it is, just be faithful to that. It takes all of us to do this. This isn't like a, a two or three people thing. It's everybody playing a part of this story. So I encourage you to do that. Next Sunday, 27th, it's gonna be online only. We're gonna have a giving moment during that time. You can give online then. Just designate Heart for the House. If you feel called to give now, your regular giving or for Heart for the House, you can do it three ways. Uh, RealLifeChurchKC.com. Uh, you can give any amount, text 84321, or you can give in the giving box on the way out. I'm gonna pray. Father God, thanks so much, God, for this church. God, it was started by sacrificial giving, irrational generosity, and God, you've given us a mission. God, we want to see people far from God discover real life and purpose in you. And so God, just drive our steps. God, just bring people close to you through this church. God, thanks so much for sending your son, Jesus. God, it's because you gave that we give. God, you gave your best, you sacrificed your life, and everything we have is a gift from you. God, you own a cattle on a thousand hills and you own the hills as well. And so we're gonna dedicate this to you, God. We're just gonna give you our lives and surrender. We're gonna let go of the things that are ours, that we think are ours, and just truly surrender to you. God, we know that your steps, God, you direct every part of our life. And so we wanna just walk in the path you've called us to. So God, help us. God, just to realize that this season we have the ability to make a difference. Whether we feel like we have it or can afford it, God, any amount makes a difference. So God, help us to realize this Christmas is about people. Help us to invite people. God, we wanna see somebody that comes this week. God, that we're gonna look back on saying they are waiting for hope. I love that the Samaritan woman ran to her city and all these people came to meet Jesus because one person ran. I know today you're calling us to run to our city to see our community changed for the cause of Christ. God, use us today. God, further your mission. God, we love you and we serve you. We praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, guys. Thank you, Sean. Yes, I just want to encourage you also with the heart for the house giving. With so many different things that God has been doing through real life, it's been absolutely incredible. And all those things take money. It's just something that we get to be a part of. So just really want to encourage you with that. 
A quick reminder, next Sunday we are not here. So many people on the Dream Team, we like to give them a break, so they'll be sitting at home watching online with you watching online on Facebook or church online at 9.30 and 11, so get your waffles out, put your feet up, and enjoy a time of worship there. It'd be incredible. Uh, also, just another quick reminder, Wednesday and Thursday we have a Christmas Eve and Christmas Eve Eve services, and it's going to be incredible. We haven't had coffee here in a while. We have the best coffee that there ever is. I'm telling you, it's the truth. And that's going to be back. Amen? We're going to have hot chocolate on top of that. Can I get an amen for that? We're going to have kids on stage, worshiping, going crazy. Can I get an amen on that? We're going to have, I know, I'm not done yet. We're going to have a skit that is, quote, so funny you might cry on stage. Can I get an amen? We're also going to have crazy worship. Crazy good worship, like every time, only this time it's Christmas crazy worship. Can I get an amen? And can I get an amen for whoever finds Jesus? Amen. Discovers real life and purpose. Amen. Get out of here. Love you.